Welcome to a special edition of An Hour of Your Life. We are sitting here across the table from Mr. Greg Johnson, uh, who is the executive director at the Summit Project. Um, and we just met Greg today. It was kind of divine intervention, I think, on, on our part. Uh, we weren't sure why we were supposed to end up in Maine, but it has become very, very clear why we are, are here. Um, so, Greg, tell us a little bit about the Summit Project. How did it get started? How are you affiliated? Absolutely. So, um, first of all, I want to thank you guys for being here and doing this. This is fantastic. This day couldn't have been any better, right? It's about 62 degrees outside. It's beautiful, sunny. It is perfect um, for hiking. It absolutely is perfect weather for hiking, right? Um, so, basically, the Summit Project is a nonprofit organization that pays tribute to our fallen service members from Maine in a very unique way. So, what we do is we work with Gold Star families. They invite us in their homes. Um, they teach us all about... The, their favorite stories and memories of their loved ones that they've lost. And then they unearth and donate to us um, large stones, which are significant. Uh, they come from significant places in their lives, whether it be a favorite fishing hole or a school um, or a church. And what they do is they give them to us, and we engrave the names of their loved ones on these stones and then uh, invite members from around the community to come, and they do three things for us. So we call it the Learn Launch Letter. The first thing they do is they learn about the fallen here they're carrying, the stone for, and paying tribute to um, during their hike. Uh, they learn everything they can. Our focus is not necessarily on how they pass, but more about what were their life loves, what was their life mission, right? What were those memories that the families wanted to carry forward? Um, and then they take that stone, and they embark on a physical journey with the launch aspect of what we do uh, somewhere in the world. So these have been in parades. They've been um, on hikes around the state. They've been on hikes around the country. Uh, they've been to places like Mount Whitney, Mount Washington, Denali, Kilimanjaro, Mount Everest, Iceland. I mean, these, these have done the Appalachian Trail. Uh, everywhere these stones go and are carried, uh, those stories and the memories that they, these hikers and participants learn are shared with everyone they come in contact along the way. Yeah, right? it's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, I... What a concept. I never would have even dreamed about this. And then, you know, you're, you're doing this. This is uh, pretty fantastic. We are doing this yeah. as a state of Maine. And it's great because these men and women gave so much for us. They were willing to give so much for us. Um, they felt it was their duty. And to be honest, this is our duty as Mainers Absolutely. to be able to come back and make sure that, you know, those stories and those memories of them live on within each and every one of us um, in this living memorial. And that's truly what this is. Absolutely. So, you know, when you, when you come and be a part of something like this and you go on a hike and you carry the stone, you learn everything about these heroes, and, uh, you know, we have a beautiful day today. The hikers are up on top of Cadillac Mountain, and I'll talk in a second about the different events that we do, but we're doing our, our second annual event of the year. Um, and when we do this, these, these hikers are going to present the stones back to the families. The families are going to receive them. And at the end of the day, these hikers will go home, but the stones, even though they're with the families, the memories will stay with them forever. Wow. Right? So this is where it be truly becomes a living memorial where these men and women who are uh, honored with the Summit Project truly live in everybody and create this living memorial. Well, so. and one of the things that you uh, mentioned to us earlier, um, you the stones are collected back up at the end of the event, and mm -hmm. they are on display at MEPS, yes. uh, which is where all of the new soldiers come to in process as they're joining the military. 
Um, and I love the idea that as you are joining, uh, you are seeing these physical reminders of your brothers and sisters that have gone before you in combat um, mm-hmm. so that you know exactly what you're getting into and, and exactly um, what is being asked of you and that you are not alone, that there are those that have gone before. Um, and, and I just love the symbolism of it. I, the whole program, I think, is just incredible. That's awesome. I appreciate that. And, uh, I mean, pure happenstance that you guys are here today learning about everything. And I'm just happy that you guys are able to be a part of it today. Right, but to your point, you have these men and women who are going in the service, and most of these heroes walk through those very doors. Mm-hmm. Right, they came in through Portland Meps, um, and they went and started their military careers or their military journey, um, just like these men and women are. And we make a point, like so, Meps actually makes a point to walk everyone in who's joining, and they let them know these are the men that came before the men and women who came before you. Right, we are very tradition focused in the military, right, and it's about making sure that these lives weren't given to anyone in vain. Right. It's to make sure that, you know, what these men and women gave to us and what they believed in is carried forward in everybody that's here. So the fact that MEPS actually brings everyone in the rooms and shows them the honor room. Um, and we very much hope that, you know, no more. None of these heroes end up sure. becoming part of the program. Yeah. Right. But it's nice to know that there are people who care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not just people who care. It's an entire community who cares oh yeah absolutely it seems like the entire state of maine is involved with this yes it is yeah and it actually goes beyond the main borders so um our mission honors fallen service members who have passed uh during their time of service regardless of whether it happened in garrison or it happened in combat right since the attacks of 9-11 so these are very special men and women who were around when 9-11 happened yeah. right they remember this uh they saw what happened at the Twin Towers. They saw what happened at the Pentagon. Um, and they knew what they were getting into. They saw the armed conf- conflicts begin, and they ran towards the enemy instead of away from it. Well, this, um, this generation, 18 years ago, there were children who were not born who are now enlisting and serving in the military 18 years later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And one of the longest conflicts that we've ever had. Absolutely, so. yeah. It's- so, and I think that speaks, too, to uh, the program's mission that, um, you know, some of the, some of the, the veteran, now veterans um, were old enough to remember, but some of them were not uh, to remember the, the Trade Center tower falling, and they gave their lives anyway. And I think those of us that were around to remember, it is our duty to them to, Absolutely. you know, they didn't, they, they were babies. They don't know, but we know. And they went in anyway, and we have to, you know, not let anybody forget that. Greg, do you have a long-term vision for the program? So the Summit Project, uh, I think it was best told to me by one of our Gold Star family members Mm -hmm. that I'm very, very, very close to. Um, And I'm not going to mention any names, but I will share the conversation that was had, just because I can't say it any other better way. Um, he, He came to me, and this gentleman said, Greg, I need to tell you. He's like, TSP saved my life very literally. He's like, there are other Gold Star families who are out there that don't have what we have here in Maine. He's like, it is your team's responsibility to make sure that that happens. So our long-term vision, um, in the same essence of, of this conversation, our long-term vision is to extend TSP and the mission of what we do beyond the borders of Maine. And we would like to bring this to different states across the country. Um, 
and then and create other TSPs, whatever the whatever it may be. Maybe it's carrying stones. Maybe it's other um, another way of doing it, but has the same intent. Um, but our goal is to bring it across and and give this this mission and these dedicated volunteers and participants and support network to everybody around the country. Um, that is truly our our end game with this. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if someone is listening to the show, um, how? If someone would, is interested in starting uh, possibly a TSP program in their state, in their area, or if someone is interested in volunteering with the main TSP program, how can they get in touch with you? What, mm-hmm. what can they do? So they can email us at uh, the email address info at thesummitproject.org, or they could email me personally at greg at thesummitproject.org. Um, best way is to get in touch so we can start the conversation and have it. Uh, we have a long ways to go to make sure that we are ready to be able to extend uh, beyond the borders of Maine. So that is a project that we're facing right now. We are actually doing quite a bit of fundraising to help get us to that point. Um, believe it or not, we have an event coming up in just three days where um, I will personally be going from the summit of Cadillac back up to uh, Baxter State Park, which is 150, 160 miles away. We call it the 150 TSP Are you Memorial driving or are you uh, walking here? <laughs> uh, so actually, I'm going to be putting on a backpack, and I'll be rucking from one summit of uh, in down east Maine up to uh, the, the summit of the tallest mountain in Maine up at Baxter State Park. So I'll be rucking the whole way. Once I get there at the base of the trail at Katahdin, I've got um, a team of 12 people who are uh, going to be joining me up there, and we're going to celebrate at the top. Um, it's going to be a fantastic experience. It's going to be a very painful, sore experience, but uh, it's going to be great. You know, so we're all looking forward to it right now. Um, our goal for this fundraiser is to do two things. One, spread the, the mission of TSP to new audiences around the state. Uh, we want more people to be a part of this. We want to bring the mission to people who have never heard of it before. Um, and the second effort is to raise money for the organization that can continue not just funding the, the events that we do from year to year, but also to help with, uh, with our development and growth of the organization itself and really help support the, national, the, uh, the concept of national expansion. Yep. So Absolutely. in many, many ways, this is going to help us. And, you know, it's the support of everybody around us. We, it takes a village. It yeah, really oh, does. Absolutely. Well, there, there are a lot of people here now, and there's more people coming in. Oh, and yeah, this isn't even everybody. The, the motorcycle. We saw the buses going out this morning. It's, it's, I, I imagine it does take a lot of money to run this and to organize it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I will say that my favorite part about what TSB does is we have a team of the most dedicated and passionate staff of 25 volunteers that not a single person has ever collected a dime um, from TSP. They've never been paid, um, but they do this as full-time jobs outside of their full-time jobs. Uh, We do most of our work coordinating on weekends, breaks, and uh, evening hours or nighttime hours, Um, but we do it because we care that much about the mission, and the funds that we receive are very grassroots. Um, They're random donations from men and women for, like, People who are listening to the show today, uh, people who we talk with and interact with on the streets. Um, there are different organizations that help and support and contribute, but it truly is a grassroots um, uh, organization that that's fantastic. I mean, I mean, yeah. To me, that's what America is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yep. and we'll absolutely um, on my personal Facebook page. I already put a link to uh, TSP's website with a fundraiser. Um, we will make sure that we get one up on uh, our Instagram page as well as the podcast Facebook page um, with a fundraiser link so that if you would like to support TSP, we would strongly encourage you to do so. Um, that would be 
Amazing. Yeah, it no. really would. Send all your money. Thank you, guys. You're, you're, a, five, <laughs> you're a 501c, so it's all tax We're deductible. We're a 501c3 correctly. organization. So, so if Absolutely. someone wanted to donate, how would they do it? So what they could do is they can go to our website, thesummitproject.org, or they can email me directly at greg at thesummitproject.org. So a couple different ways. Uh, we do have the links built into our website. So um, one thing we didn't mention is what we're doing here today. Oh, right? yeah. Do you mind if I take a second to talk about this? <laughs> no. All right. So what we have is we actually have uh, two major um, signature events that we do every year. We do one on Memorial Day weekend at Baxter State Park. And then we do a second one here in the fall at Acadia National Park. It's the last Saturday in September each year. All right. So we have Katahdin which is the tallest mountain in Maine over in Baxter. And then we have Cadillac, uh, which is on the down east side. Um, both signature events are extremely, extremely unique in their own special way. Uh, Baxter event is a three-day weekend. It's a private event. Um, we have the, the great support um, of a place called Twin Pines Campground, which it's a resort. It's not really a campground. It's got lodging and cabins up in the rustic woods. Um, it's a fantastic place. But we actually start this event on Saturday morning of Memorial Day weekend. We have about 100, 150 motorcycles that join us down there um, to transport the stones from where the stones are kept periodically um, and permanently. Um, and they're escorted, escorted by state police all the way up six hours away to Millinocket driving up I-95. So it pretty much shuts down the highway. That is amazing. Right? On Memorial Day weekend. So I'm sorry if you for anybody out there who's been caught in this traffic jam. Yeah. I very much apologize in advance, but thank you for supporting and understanding <laughs> why we're doing it. Right? But uh, so we get up to um, the New England Outdoor Center at Twin Pines Campground, and the families, the Gold Star families, the volunteers, and the hikers are all sitting there waiting for us. Uh, we have a nice opening ceremony, thanking everyone to come out for being a part of it. Uh, we shed some light on the reasons why we're there, the big why behind um, doing what we do. Uh, we have a big barbecue dinner that night. We have our hiker briefs. And the next morning, we have four teams of 12 hikers each that will either summit the owl, which overlooks Katahdin, or it'll do another ruck to um, Rainbow Lake. So uh, a couple different ways that we do this. When, the, when, the, family, when the, the hikers come back, the families are there to receive the stones back. Um, the hikers will come out one by one and uh, present their stones back to these families. The families will then give them what we have as a, as a TSP patch. And it's almost what we call a, a patching ceremony. Um, but at that point, these, these patches are what is they can take with them to, to remember this weekend and the experience that they have on top of being able to just look back at the memories. Um, that night, we have a huge Warriors dinner for everybody. We have our closing remarks, and we always end every, every event with a big, huge bonfire and uh, fellowship and camaraderie, and it's really an incredible time. So that's Memorial Day weekend. Now we come to the fall, and we come to today, right? So this, unique, uh, this event's a little more unique. Um, it's a single-day event instead of a weekend-long private event. Um, People stayed here last night. We have 80 hikers that actually summit Cadillac on four different trail systems. We have four teams of 20. Each one is carrying um, a hero as a part of our program. Um, and they are all, as we speak, uh, once, once they get to the summit, they sit in what's called the circle testimony. And that's where their teams will get together in a private area at the summit of the mountain. And one by one, they will teach everyone in their team everything that they've learned over these past few months uh, researching their fallen hero uh, that they're paying tribute to today. 
once they're done with this, they'll come back and we'll have a nice big ceremony here, a huge potluck dinner. And again, we end, always end it with a bonfire at the end of the night. So a uh, pretty fantastic event. We do have 77 heroes that are part of the organization right now. Unfortunately, that number is always growing, yeah. right? Yep. But as long as there are people who are willing to give and sacrifice their lives um, in the belief that they can make this world a better place for people like you and me, uh, we will always be here to pay tribute to them. Absolutely. And we thank you so, so much for that. It really, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing what you guys have done in just a few short years. It's only been, what, five years, six years? It's, this is the sixth year doing sixth it. Sixth year. Yep. And it's huge. Like, I've, I, I honestly feel a little guilty that I'd never heard of TSP because it is such a great organization. And I, I really think that, um, you know, it, you're kind of in your infancy a little bit now. Maybe truly. Ch childhood. Truly, we really I, are. I really can see this becoming a nationwide program because it is Absolutely. something incredible and amazing. And and it's not coming through uh, yet on the podcast, but um, the level of camaraderie, like we have just been so welcomed by everyone. Everyone kind of, we're just kind of set up in the corner of a, of a tent um, and people are coming up. Who are you? What are you doing here? What can we, and then, you know, we explain what we're doing and everyone is so eager to share their stories, which is amazing. Yep. Um, and it really is that, you know, they, we've had a couple people say that it's a TSP family and it, it really is. And, and we've been very welcomed. Um, and I, I hope that, um, uh, that our show, uh, kind of gets the word out a little bit and, and helps you guys grow and, 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 um, get your name out there and, and your, and the, the concept behind the summit partnership. Well, I appreciate you. Yeah. I'm very grateful that you guys are here helping us do this. Um, I mean, I'm just glad that you guys come and experience it. We very rarely have ever had someone who has carried the stone of the story of one of our heroes and then not come back and asked, how else could we be involved? Uh, whether it be through donations or volunteering or signing up for another hike that we do. Um, just because we do these two signature events, these stones are available for anyone to sign out a stone and take them on a journey at any given time throughout the year. It's a continuous evolution. These heroes are being constantly um, in transit with their stories being shared everywhere throughout the entire year. So it's not just at Baxter State Park. It's not just at Acadia. Uh, the stones are fluid. Yeah. They really are. And then and if you can imagine, right, as a Gold Star family member. Oh, what an incredible um, legacy. Yeah. Like oh, to absolutely. know that your child or your grandchild or niece, nephew is uh, getting to, um, you know, Nancy White said he, we've we've made so many friends and Jay has made so many friends mm -hmm. and and it's just it's just such a neat concept so as a gold star family member right if you could imagine as these stones are are in transit going on these different treks and journeys uh, we talked about the learn aspect of what mm -hmm. TSB is we talked about the launch right physically going out and carrying the stone and the story of one of our fallen heroes but when they get done they actually sit down and write the third L the letter back to the families to share what that experience meant to them. That way the families who have lost their son or daughter or husband or wife or parent or sibling, they have the understanding and the knowledge that, you know, these memories are being shared. The stories are being shared. They, these men and women are continuing to impact so many people, even to this day, not just across the state of Maine, but across the entire country um, and around the world. Now, is there a place on your website um, if... You know, if uh, we have listeners from kind of all over the place, if they wanted to learn about some of these heroes but are not able to come to Maine, can yep. they go on your website and yep. learn some of the stories? Absolutely. So our website is thesummitproject.org. 
Um, and if you want to learn about the heroes, uh, go to our, our heroes tab, our um, tribute stones tab, and it actually has each hero listed. If you click on the hero, um, it'll break down. It'll actually give you the biography on every single one of these heroes that's in the organization. And if you scroll to the bottom, that's where all the letters are posted for the families to read when mm-hmm. they get done. So our listeners can actually um, go on and see the experiences and the letters and the impact that, you know, uh, that our, our volunteers and participants have actually had with these stones carrying the story. Yeah. Um, they're pretty significant, and I hope you got tissues. They will make <laughs> you cry. Um, yeah. I don't care how big and bad you think you oh, are. Yeah. You read some of these stories, it's, it's, a, it's a definite tear fest. So. Oh, yeah. Um, Greg, I'll tell you what. It's not, a, it's not our place to thank you for this, but just say best of luck with what you do. I think it's a very honorable mission and Thank worthwhile and yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of lost for words and I'm not the guy that usually gets lost for words but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just amazing I wish people could be here and see what we're seeing right now but yeah. um, and we are very honored that you um, honored allowed us to, to hey. sit down with you like, the honor this was... is the honor is completely mine it oh. really is so thank you so, so much thank you guys very much appreciate everything you're doing I hope you guys get to sit around and uh See yeah, the actual oh, ceremony as we I'm, close it out. I'm looking forward to uh, to talking with some of the families and some of the hikers, and hopefully we can get a few people to to come over and sit with us. We've they they I think they're at first we got a lot of interest, and now everybody's like, oh, food. So, but yeah, but hopefully so. hopefully as the day goes on, we'll get a few more. We're a few almost more there. So I am out, getting so. phone calls right now. I do believe the hikers right, are yeah, at the right. summit Thank of the mountain so ready to come back. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. I appreciate awesome. it. Thank you guys Thank for everything you do. All right. All right. Thanks. Thank you. We are fortunate to be sitting with Paul Lazat, who is a member of the Patriot Writers of America. Um, and Paul, tell us how you were involved in the TSP ceremony today and how you got involved with TSP and a little bit about the Patriot Writers and, and what you all do. Sure. Um, again, my name is Paul Lazat. I am with the Patriot Writers of America, Maine Chapter 3. Um, I'm the chairman of the board of directors with our chapter. Um, Today, at the ceremony, I was in charge of the honor guard, um, bring the flags out in the, onto the field for the ceremony, take them off. Um, you guys did a fantastic job, by the way. Thank you. We, uh, I, I've gotten involved with this um, back in, I think this is their fifth or sixth year. I cannot remember. Um, Actually, it, they've been here for five years. I've been with my chapter for four and been doing this for four years. Oh, okay. So almost to the beginning of TSP. Very cool. Um, I participate in the spring ride all the way up to Mount Katahdin, and I also do uh, this as well here at Acadia National Park. Yeah. Um, we are the official transporters of the stones. So in the spring, we carry, our, we carry the stones of our fallen in our motorcycles all the way up to Millinocket for the Makutadan ceremony. And in the fall, we just receive the stones from the hikers, and we get together and we mingle and we talk to each other and just get to know each other and, and, and our fallen heroes. That's very cool. And how do you... Do you um, I guess... As part of the TSP program, do you all learn about your stone? Like, do you guys know whose stone you're going to get ahead of time like the hikers do? Or are you just handed a stone? Um, sometimes, sometimes not. Okay. Um, in past, we've those of us who carry the stones up north from Portland, we have been able to request a stone. 
Yeah. Um, for myself, Major J.T. Auburn, United States Marine Corps. Um, I'm friends, personal friends with the family. So I know his brother and his mother and his sister-in-law. I grew up with his sister-in-law. Um, so I have a personal connection in this. Sure. So it really hit the spot when... Got you yeah, right it, hit, it hit the spot yeah. out there a couple times on me. It, it, it does me every time, you know, and I've been doing this for four years. Oh, yeah. So it I doesn't get imagine. any easier. Um, we just embrace it and support each other. Yeah. So um, for listeners that were unable to be here, um, we kind of talked a little bit with Greg about what is involved in um, the ceremony, but from um, the perspective of someone that kind of takes part in the ceremony so basically the hikers come back um, from carrying the stones up to the summit and then there's a big circle and each uh, hiker comes forward gives their name gives the name of um, the fallen hero that they whose stone they were carrying and then um, that stone is passed to someone who receives it and brings it back to TSP and I know you received several stones today. Um, did, how did you, did you just kind of pick at random aside from the, the personal connections or? Well, um, the personal connection today, um, Auburn, uh, Jay Auburn wasn't on the, the hike today. Okay. His stone was here. Um, it really doesn't matter so much of who it is or who's carrying a stone um, if they're, some families are not able to make it sure. here or unable yeah. to make the hike up that mountain. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes it, they don't have enough hikers. So with, within the whole circle, if there is a stone or hero that has no one to receive it, anybody who would like to step out to receive the stone and embrace the hiker, you know, it, it, there's no real science to it. Yeah. Um, you know what? I don't think it has to be. It's no. just the, the whole honor of the fallen hero thing. It doesn't matter who's doing it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it is, it gets you right in the feels. Oh, every yeah. Every time. It was, it's a beautiful ceremony. And it's just, it's so uh, moving to see. And there, there were kids that carried stones today. So there were kids, there were um, parents who, one lady looked like she was probably at least up into her 50s, maybe even 60s. Um, and it's, it's just a very, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful experience. Uh, really moving. Um, and we just, we feel extremely honored to, we just kind of stumbled into uh, TSP sort of by divine accident. Uh, and it we happens. are so honored to just to be a part of um, of today, and and thank you so much for for your contribution. Hey, Paul, I see by your vest you're an Army veteran. I am. Whoa. 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 <laughs> who did you serve with? What did you do? Um, I was a reservist here at yep. Dexter, Maine. Um, I was a with a detachment in Dexter. The main unit was in Auburn, Maine. It's the Six Nineteenth Transportation Company. Yeah. Um, we went over in 2004, and we uh, we had the most miles. Are you an 88 Mike? I am an 88 Mike. <laughs> I am. You know, nothing moved without us. Yeah. Uh, we've 
done everything from uh, ammo to water. So it, uh, it definitely wasn't an easy year. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Bob, is there, or Paul, is there anything else you want to say about Patriot Writers? Um, absolutely. Um, the Patriot Writers of America was founded in Massachusetts. Yep. Um, we have multiple chapters. I actually am not sure exactly how many. Um, I believe they range from Texas all the way up through. Um, doesn't, not exactly every state, but we have probably a dozen chapters now. Um, what we do is we honor the falling, and we um, serve and assist the living. So if we have veterans out there that, um, you know, are homeless yeah. or need some furniture or assistance with food or heating oil or any of that type of thing for the everyday life, um, we're out there doing that. We go out and we help build ramps and steps, and we've done, we assisted with roofs. That's fantastic. You know, taking care of your own. Yeah. We got to. We yeah. got to. Yeah. In this economy, you know, the veterans, there's a lot of them out there that don't have anything. So, you know, we go out there and do that. Uh, we honor our fallen by going out, doing a flag line at the funerals. Um, we've done escorts. Um, I, it just, it humbles you. And for me, I'm a disabled veteran, and I wasn't able to finish out my serving, and this is how I serve. I, I finish serving my country by doing this. I love that way of looking at it. That's really cool. So if people want to... Um, get involved with Patriot Riders. Or you have to have a motorcycle. To- no, you don't even have to be a veteran. Okay. You don't. We have people in our chapter who are not veterans. Um, we have people who don't have a motorcycle. Um, they're, they're the only um, connection for this is to want to serve our veterans. You have to be a Patriot. That's our mission. There you go. You know, and as long as they get the mission, we welcome everybody. So how can you get involved with Patriot Writers of America? Um, you can go ahead and look us up on the, inter- uh, the internet. Um, Google it up on the internet machine. Yeah. Yes, you can get on the old interweb and, and ask Google, you know, who are they? What, what can I do? Yeah. You know, um, I don't have the web address off the top of my head. Actually, yeah, right. let me see. Um, P-R-O-A hyphen M-E-3 org, I believe it is. Okay. Um, I'm not, I don't have it off the top of my head because sure. I don't go to it often. Hey, you know what? Yeah, it's fine because no, that's, yeah. that, that's why we have search engines. And right, exactly. It sounds like it'll be easy to find. Uh, it, it should be. Yeah. Um, and pretty much New England state, so uh, they can pretty much Google up there, you know, Patriot Writers of America and look for your closest chapter. And if you wanted to start your own chapter in a state that doesn't have it, and just get a hold of you, the Florida one or somebody from Massachusetts, and they'll get you started on getting a chapter ready. There you go. All right. All right. It's a great way to help. Well, Paul, thank you. Thank we you. have uh, a lot of people we're going to interview tonight, and this should be hung on the uh, TSP website. Okay. And um, you can come back and listen to it. And just, well, first off, thank you for your service. Thank you. As a veteran. And I mean, it, I. Again, it's not our place to say thank you for what you're doing out there today, but uh, it's, it's an honorable mission what you guys are doing. Well, it's, it's all about our heroes. Yep. You know, uh, main heroes never forgotten. Yep, absolutely. So, all right. Thanks, Paul. Well, thank you very much. 
So, Kim, we just witnessed the ceremony out there as the uh, the buses brought the hikers in. And, yeah, I we, mean, we Greg prepared me, but Greg didn't prepare me well enough for this. I yeah. mean, it, it was it was a very moving ceremony. Um, and we kind of talked about it a little bit with, with uh, Paul when he was on. But, so, I, there are 80 hikers, and that's not even, everybody didn't even have a stone. Like, there were some stones that were left here that um, there was no one to carry them. And it was some of the some of the people that carried stones. There, um, a mother carried her son's stone, which I can't even imagine how difficult yeah. that would be. Um, big sisters carried the little brother's stones. Uh, it just all all kinds of relationships and people from all walks of life, um, and all just kind of came together and. Um, a lot of organization had to go in to put this together. And again, it's all volunteer. Yeah. That's the thing that amazes me. And it's only 25 people. Like, the, if you could see, we're sitting in basically like a fest tent right now. And there are, I don't know, maybe five, six huge, big, long, rectangular tables full of food. Um, there's all kinds of different drinks and coffee. And I mean, this tent is full of people. There's, I mean, there were 80 hikers. There's at least, you know, 150, 160 people here. Yeah, at least. And they're all being taken care of by 25 people. Yeah. Okay. So let's uh, get ready for our next interview coming up here in a second. Uh, we are fortunate enough to be sitting with uh, Dolly and Jim Sullivan, who are Gold Star parents. Um, their son was Army Captain Christopher Sullivan. Um, it, w- Christopher or Chris? Well, he went by Chris, but his name was Christopher. Sure. So. <laughs> and he served in, what, what did he do in the Army? He was a captain? But he was a captain. He had been a tank commander okay. in uh, Germany and served in Kosovo for six months and then came back to the States after his tour in Germany was over. And by then, 2001 had happened, 9-11. Uh-huh. And so um, in 2004, he, after much training, he deployed to Baghdad, Iraq. And he was in operations over there from January of 2004 until January of 2005. And he was given command of um, the 212, was it? Yeah, the um, 212 in, um, in the 1st Cav Division. Yeah. And then uh, 10 days later, he was killed. I'm so sorry for that. What, um, what was Chris like growing up, little boy? Uh, he was all boy. All boy. <laughs> all boy. Very inquisitive. Um, and his sisters would say very noisy. He had, had to be making noise all the time. And um, he was four years younger than Amy and six years younger than Jennifer. So he had like three mothers. Only boy. Only boy. Right. Our only son. Yeah. yeah. Was he mommied by his uh, sisters? He, oh, yes. Definitely. They... Uh, my husband's father had made them a cradle because they were both girls uh-huh. for Christmas, and they actually would have Christopher in the cradle Aww. and in their doll high chair until the one day uh, I almost didn't get him out of the baby high chair, <laughs> the oh, doll no. high chair. So that was his last day in that. But oh, he just was, yeah, they definitely babied him until he got grown up, and then he was the protector. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Did, um, did he play sports in high school? Uh, he no, did cross country. Running. He did cross track. Yeah. Yep. So he wasn't, uh, 
He was more of a spectator of sports, other than yeah. the, he did the running to keep himself in shape. Yeah. What, what were his interests? Uh, Civil Air Patrol. Civil Air Patrol. Anything to do with the uh, military. He, he had multiple books on the uh, Civil War. He loved studying uh, history, you know, all of that stuff. He was know. really a bit of a historian. Oh, yeah. 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 Every, every year for Christmas or something, when that uh, book come out that has all the planes and ships and stuff. Jane's Encyclopedia. Jane, Jane's, mm -hmm. you know, that's what he wanted, to see whatever the latest uh, thing was, you know. And he, he remembered it and stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, he... Like normal kids through high school, he was just as regular. And uh, when he got to his junior year, you, you know, they interview you to see what kind of college you want to go to. And, uh, you know, he come home and told us, well, he was going to go to uh, uh, some college anyhow and take up engineering. Oh, yeah. all right. You know, then. this like, is a kid that probably didn't really have the best uh, scores in math in high school and stuff. <laughs> but, Semantics, uh, it's fine. <laughs> he got accepted to uh, UMass Lowell, and uh, from Commit there on, he went. Commissioned through ROTC? Uh, yes. Well, he tried, but, uh, you know, they only give out so many, and because his score, uh, uh, grades in high school weren't that great, yeah. But uh, he, he got into it, and, you know, he had been in Civil Air Patrol, so that was a good thing. Yeah. And, and uh, he went in, and uh, he was in uh, ROTC all, uh, most of the time he was at college and actually been, ended up being probably the top kid in ROTC because he had that drive to go do it. Yeah. So, uh, he so actually, he joined the National Guard right out of high yeah. school. After he graduated, he joined the National Guard. He knew he was going to college. He had been accepted. Yeah. So he did basic training and went into college. And then the next year, he switched from National Guard to Army Reserve because he got into the ROTC program. And okay. he graduated yeah. as a distinguished right. military cadet. So yeah. it meant he was in top 10% of his class then. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then commissioned as an armor officer? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ar armor. He, wa he wanted, well, he didn't have perfect eyesight, so uh, when he was still in high school, we had taken him on a trip to uh, Boston when the JFK happened to be come in, yeah. and he wanted to do that because he wanted to be a Navy pilot, and uh, so we took him down and uh, got on the ship, and when we got up there... He, uh, the first thing he wanted to do was go see a, a Navy pilot, you know. So they were all standing by the planes, and he went over there, and he had glasses at the time, you know. And the uh, he asked the uh, pilot, you know, what it would like, you know, because he wanted to be in. And the, the pilot says, well, I don't think you'll ever be a pilot because you wear glasses. You've got to have better than perfect e eye yeah. mm -hmm. eyesight. So uh, he says, you could be a second seater and... Chris just didn't say nothing then. He, that was it. We're off the ship. He didn't want anything more to do with it. We went home, and uh, as time went by, he, what he wanted to be, going to be a tank commander. And uh, he worked worked his way right into it, and he, he went to uh, ROTC. And uh, when he got out, he uh, got commissioned, and they sent him down to uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky. Fort for, Knox, Kentucky. Yeah. Home of armor. Right. Yep. So uh, he went there and, uh, you know, they have like officers training and stuff. Yes. And then from there, right to Germany 
And he was over there, what, two years? Three. Three, three years when they had that thing with the Kosovo and yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you after know, his tour over there. Where, where was he stationed in Germany? Uh, Vilsack. In Vilsack. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, yeah, I was stationed in Grafenvier and Vilsack, too, Rose Barracks. Yeah. yeah. So he was, at yeah. that time, he was probably with the 1st Infantry Division. 1st yeah. First First Infantry. Infantry. Yep. 3rd well, Brigade. Well, yeah. he, he said, you know, because uh, I was in the 1st Infantry Division, but when you get over there, they don't call it infantry anymore. It's 1st I. ID. First ID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Yeah, I'm yeah. very familiar with with Vilsack and Rose Barracks and yeah. Yeah. the Big Red One. Yeah. I think it was the what the uh, second or third of the 63rd armor that he was in. Yeah. 263 armor. Yeah. 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 And yeah. actually, I mean, he was really proud when he got in the 1st Infantry Division cuz not only was his dad in the 1st Infantry Division in Vietnam. Yes. His grandfather my father was in the first infantry division in World War II. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of lot. There's a lot of pride in the yeah. uh, in the first infantry division. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So. So did you get the opportunity to visit him in Germany? Oh yeah. In Germany, yes, we went so, to visit him before he went to Kosovo. Because before he went to Kosovo, yeah, I, I had to see him before he went because yeah. at the time he yeah. was going, they didn't know if they were going peacekeeping or a war. It it yeah. hadn't been decided, and yeah. I just had to see him beforehand. Yep. So. I remember before I, uh, I went to Iraq, my mom and dad came out to Kansas and uh, yeah. spent a week. Yeah. And yeah. My mom said that was the hardest drive ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he, he actually was home for his, his older sister got married just before Christmas in 2003. Yeah. And so he came home with his wife and his little boy for Christmas. And David was just six months old. Yeah. And he hadn't really spent much time with them because they were out in California training before they went. So I bet at Fort Irwin. Yeah. And I was, he, I was um, stationed at Fort yeah. Irwin, too. So he had one Christmas with them, and David actually sat up for the first time Aww. while he was there. And then he deployed in, in the beginning of January. So. Well, so. that's good that you... I mean, that's so sweet that he was there for his son to sit up and, yeah. and, yeah. and get to see that. Yeah. Yep. So... Um, Any biggest memory of him as a uh, as a boy growing up? I think just his inquisitiveness. Yeah. And I mean, he would take everything apart. <laughs> yeah. You know, he just needed to know how things worked, and you know, and his he just was a happy go lucky. Enjoyed life, kid, and even to the end. I mean, he lived life to the fullest. Big yeah. smile. Everybody liked him. It, things that we learned about him that we didn't even know because when they get yeah. in college, you know, when he th- he never came home because every summer he went and did some other like some other training paratrooping one summer and. Um, but at his funeral, one of the kids that he went to school with shared with us that because he'd usually get home for Christmas. And he would go into Boston for first night with the kids he went to school with. He maintained friendship with four of them really well. And they shared with us at the funeral and and everybody else, obviously, that one of the last times they were together in Boston, Christopher was taking dollar bills out of his pocket and handing it to all the homeless. Uh Uh-huh. So. Yeah. He sounds like an amazing, amazing young man. He was. He was. He was. And it's, it's so, it's got to be, um, I mean, does it help? 
with the the stones being carried and knowing oh, that his story is being told. Absolutely, because we really lived in Massachusetts, and that's where Christopher was born and raised. But because of his ties to Maine, his grandfather and his great grandfather being born here, and then we moved up here, they allowed us to put a stone in for him. Oh, that's because so he's had a connection, and his sister was living in Scarborough when he was killed too. So. Do you, um, have you read the letters from the hikers that have carried I his stone? I haven't read them all. Yeah. Sometimes you just, difficult? yeah, it's just, you, yeah. you can't. But yeah, no, I understand. I, I've read a few of them. Uh, the first time he was carried was... Um, three years ago. Three. three years ago, but it was um, Dylan Harris that carried him, Dustin Harris's brother, and we have been back and forth to... Um, Arlington with Dustin's mother and father um, for Reeds Across America. So it really was special to have his stone carried for the first time by yeah, Dylan. Yeah, it's a, it's a sort of a brotherhood that no one ever wants to join. No. Right. Um, but it's it's so, I think it, it it's so good that you yeah. all have each other to lean on. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it seems like this organization here today gives a lot of support. Oh, they with do. With other family well, members, they, they other do. Gold Star families. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's um, nothing anybody wants to be. Nobody wants the title of Gold Star right. parent or Gold Star sibling. But, um, like, there is that. It's a safe haven, and everybody understands. You don't have to say anything. They just know. And we, yeah. we all support each other. We all feel each other's pain. And, and we just... And we celebrate the happiness, and, the good and, memories. And for us as outsiders... Just to watch and observe, we see that. Yeah, it's it's that obvious. It's that clear yeah. from us yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. And we've been extremely, extremely honored to be able to talk to Gold Star families and to be a part of today's events. It's it's really not something um, that I think a lot of people get to be a part of, which is maybe a little unfortunate because right. um, it the men and women that are honored today are. Are the I mean they're everything they're they're the reason for so much freedom. really they are and um and it's just it is such an honor to be able to sit down and talk with you all and and take part in a and yeah. um, sharing your story and Chris's mm-hmm. story with with people from actually we have people um, from around the world we have people that listen to us in Australia we have people that listen to us all over the country and so hopefully now um, they will get to listen to a little bit of Chris's story as well. And thank you. Thank, thank you for you letting so us share. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here. And, you know, there, there's no words. There aren't. There aren't. But. Okay. Well, again, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. What, what, a, what a powerful testimony that is. Uh, it's, I, I, um, and it's funny that you use the word testimony because I was speaking with Dolly um, off the air and she said that Christopher at one point in time had expressed interest in becoming a priest. Huh. Um, so it's really neat that we are able to share some of his story and, and leave some of his legacy. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get ready for our next interview here. We are fortunate to be able to sit down with um, Sue and Jim Stout, who are here to talk with their son about their son, Aaron. Um, Aaron was in the Navy. Yes, Aaron was in the Navy. He enlisted um, in 1991, just before he graduated from high school, uh, Stearns High School in Millinocket, Maine. He uh, went in that September, went to basic training at Great Lakes in Illinois, 
and uh, was deployed, not deployed, he was stationed right after that in San Diego. Oh, wow. I bet that was a change. And that was a change for him. Did you get to go visit him in beautiful, sunny San Diego? Yes, I did get to go (laughs) visit him there. It was gorgeous weather. Um, Didn't really get to see too much of San Diego proper, but because he was, you know, on, on duty most of the time. But at that time, shortly thereafter, he met a he met a beautiful lady that he um, married, and they got married in San Diego on a on a little cruise ship in the harbor, and it was very romantic. It was oh, very sure. nice. That was 1997. Okay. Yeah, and after his um, time up was up there, he was stationed in uh, Bremerton, Washington State. And uh, he was there for, thinking, a good 10 years. Oh, wow. And and he did some trips. Um, He assisted on his LST, the Peoria. He assisted with helping to aid victims of the tsunami uh, after Christmas Day. I think it was in 2003. Okay. Yeah. And he also, um, you know, did... Did things like that because he's across the country doing his jobs, and I'm back east, bringing up three teenage daughters. So, oh my goodness, I wasn't you know so, privy to his every day. Sure, so he's on. the eldest of four. Eldest of four, only boy, the only boy. And oh, he's very, what was that very like? Special. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was good for me. Yeah, um, because I kind of always was a little more lenient on him than his sisters because with. The girls, I always knew what girls are up to. So he, he wasn't the experimental child? No, he really wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't. Um, I was very ready to be a mom and very happy that I was having, the, you know, Aaron. Yeah. And uh, before everybody else, as I had maybe mentioned previously, it was just he and I. And it was very special. It was a real sweet mom and, he- and son yeah, I think it takes a special lady to be a boy mom. <laughs> it's different than being a parent of girls. So Definitely. Was he, what was he like as a boy? Was he all boy or was he a little more reserved? Or? Uh, no, he was never reserved. You always knew what he wanted, <laughs> what he was thinking. He, um, as a baby, uh, I don't know, people who are moms realize that sometimes their babies have a fussy time of day. <laughs> and his fussy time of day from the time he was born was like at 6.30 at night till 7.30. Oh. And for no reason at all, he just wanted to be vocal. So, or at least he was consistent. He was consistent. He <laughs> was. Um, he didn't play sports as much as he loved to go out in the woods. He loved to hunt, loved to fish. Um, I think in high school he had a small trap line that he tended for a short period of time. Oh, we wow. we lived in wooded area, uh-huh. and um, he was. Uh, you know, he loved that kind of thing. He also loved to run. He's a runner. Yeah. 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 It's kind of a common theme we're hearing about the uh, young men here from from Maine. That's they like the outdoors. Absolutely. Yeah. He really did. And where he is now, buried now out in Washington State, um, he his cemetery stone abuts right up back of a, a wood and. Oh. You can see where the deer rubbed against it, and I, that makes me happy. Oh, I'm that he's sure. Where, where that happens. Yeah. So, so. It, was he always interested in the military, or was it? How did that come about? Well, we lived in a in a paper mill town, Millinocket, and anybody who studied Maine and whatnot knows that the paper industry went downhill 
after a fashion. And I saw kind of like what was going to happen because I'd been in that town and my late husband was part of the unions and I could just read that things were going to happen. Yeah. So my first child, my son, was going to graduate high school and I said, I really hope that you... He wasn't really college material as far as reading and writing. He wanted to be moving. Yeah. So he thought he might join a branch of the military, and he picked the Navy. And it was the making of a man in him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because when he came home after boot camp, I could tell that he, that was Christmas, and I could tell that he appreciated the things that he was getting for Christmas, clothing, you know, specifically new boots for work and yeah, boot yeah, boot boot camp and basic training can be uh, pivotal moments in a person's life. It, it surely appeared to be so for him. He uh, he was more, a little more respectful of the things that people were telling him. I mean, he listened to them. You could just see maturity. You could see maturity. So, yeah. mom, did you uh, did he appreciate breakfast a little bit more? Home cooked meal. <laughs> He sure did. Yeah. He asked me for certain things on that on that first visit what, home. What was it? What was that meal you wanted? Um, my stuffed shells and garlic bread. <laughs> he that, loved that. That sounds really good. He loved that. And then there was a dessert that I make with whipped cream and chocolate and and graham crackers and yeah. I made that twice I think while he was home. Yeah. So he had what he wanted. Yeah. And I made sure of that. And I had told him when he left to go to boot camp. I said. Um, we lived in a Cape-style home. It had two big bedrooms upstairs, so the three girls shared a bedroom, and he had his own. Oh. And I said, when you go away to boot camp, I'm going to leave your bedroom as if you just walked out the door, uh-huh. except I'll pick up the dirty clothes and towels <laughs> you left behind. Thanks, honey. Per usual. <laughs> and um, you come home to that after boot camp that first Christmas, but when you go back to your duty station, um, one of your sisters is going to have the room. Yeah. And he was cool with that. Well, that's good. That was good. Yeah. So he came home from boot camp and then got stationed in Washington State. In no, San, San Diego. Diego. Yeah. And that's where he met his wife. Correct. Candace. And has a son. Uh, he has, they had no children. Oh, okay. They had no children. Yeah. She was a Navy veteran as well. They met, um, they met at the dentist on board, sh- on, on base. Oh, how romantic. That's what they said. <laughs> and we loved her dearly. She's a sweet, Go sweet ahead. girl. They never had any children. Never was discussed. I Yeah. Their choice. It happens. Yeah. And then move and then from San Diego went to Washington. Correct. Washington which was probably State. a little more like home as far as uh, he enjoyed his favorites again, the hunting, the fishing mm-hmm. and you know, that type of thing when he could. Had a boat and had all the toys he wanted. Did you get to visit him often? Ten yeah. years is a long time to... Yep. Um, we've, I visited him. Well, his father died the year before he got married, so his father died in 1996, mm-hmm. actually 23 years ago today. Oh, wow. And Aaron got married the next year. We visited Jim and I uh, maybe three or four times, okay. you know, and um, he would get underway occasionally. So he wasn't not always stateside. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. we loved it. Loved going out there. Yeah. So he was, when he was on a ship, what, what type of ship did he serve on? He first served on an LST, which he told me was um, a, a landing type ship for 
Marines. Yeah. I think it stands for landing ship tank. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm Army, so. Okay. But I've read a lot of books. (laughs) And then he served on, that was decommissioned, and he was part of the decommissioning crew. He worked in the engine room. Mm -hmm. And then he uh, was assigned to the USS Shoop. Okay. And he went from there to his duty station, Diego Garcia. I heard Um, that's a lovely place. Well, okay. I never (laughs) was there, but it's very tropical. Yeah. And he said it was wicked hot. Yeah. I was full of sarcasm right there. (laughs) (laughs) He uh, went there to help be um, an overseer because there were CBs that were assigned there, and they were going to overhaul the power plant and such, and he was assigned to um, critique their work, help them, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So okay. he, he worked hard there. Any favorite memories as a little boy? Yeah, a lot of them, actually. A lot of them. He um, was the only one of my children who would let me hug and kiss him anytime I wanted. Uh, he, um, he would go to the store. I, you know, the kids would have each, like, a dollar or whatnot, and they'd go shopping or whatnot. He'd buy something for me. And there was little teacup things. or He always thought of me. Um, he was an altar boy in our Catholic church. Okay. And that was really special. Mm-hmm. Loved watching him help. Uh, other special memories, just having him walk in the back door. Yeah. You know, having him sit at the supper table. Uh, these types of things that don't happen and will never happen again hmm. are all dear memories. Yeah, I now. mean, I, I, I can't imagine. So... Well, that kind of segues into what this summit project has meant to us. Yeah. And I'm not even letting my poor husband talk. <laughs> but he, he just gave us the uh, hand wave there. That's all good. <laughs> um, the summit project has been remarkable in that for me as a Gold Star mother, I've gotten to be among people that respect his service, that honor his service with action and words. But as much as that on a personal level, every day I carry, and so don't the other Gold Star Mothers I know, pain that can't be put aside. You just can't, you just can't live anymore the way you were. Right. And you come here and you know you're understood. Mm-hmm. You know that every morning when I get up out of bed and I put on my, my attitude or my persona, whatever you want to call it, and show myself to the world, no matter who it is, there's a deep grief and sadness inside me that I carry, too. Yeah. It gets really heavy sometimes, but people here understand that. Do you feel when you are together with the other Gold Star Mothers that it is almost a sense of relief that you can drop the facade for a little while and just be you and just... Absolutely. You have that absolutely right. Absolutely. Because they understand you know, they're living with it, too. Now, I'm curious. I know that the stones that are carried, the families choose, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. what, um, Chris, or, um, Aaron Stone, I'm sorry, Chris was the one that we just talked about before. Yes. Aaron Stone was taken from home or? Yep. Not from his exact home, but that's a good point. We lived, like I said, in a wooded area. Uh, uh, and... Down the road from us, maybe, oh, half a mile, 
was what they used to call Jerry Pond. It was a pond, and it was staffed by the local recreation department with lifeguards, and so the kids always went down there swimming. Well, Aaron loved to swim, and he used to go down there on his bike, his little banana seat bike, <laughs> and he'd go swimming. Um, he spent a lot of time down there. And then when he got his hunting license as a you know young teen, he could walk around that pond and do, you know, Look for birds, whatnot. Yeah. So my daughter and I, who's the family liaison here, Andrea, Andrea Killam, okay. she and I went down there. We hunted for a stone, and we found it there at Jerry Pond, and it was just so appropriate. And you knew, did you know right away when yes. you found it that this is the stone? This yes. Is it. We picked four out of, four out of a pile, and then we found that fifth stone, and we just knew both of us knew because it was shape. The shape of it is kind of like a. Like a summit, if you will. Oh, okay. But if you turn it on its side, it looks like a heart. Oh. And that's my favorite symbol. Yeah. So. Oh, that's sweet. We knew. That's we knew right really away. neat. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that um, kind of strikes me, too. And just talking with everyone that is associated with TSP is there's so many of those uncoincidental coincidences yes. um, that ha- that that take place all the time with this organization. And I, it's, it's just a, a beautiful way to um, remember people and, and to let everyone uh, that didn't get a chance to know Aaron and his brothers and sisters in arms, who they were and why they're so special. And their, main, their motto is main heroes are never forgotten. Mm-hmm. Your, your loved one is never forgotten by more than just yourself. Now, do you read the the stories of the hi- uh, like the letters from the hikers that, I do. that carry his stone? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, more than once. I mean, I always look for them after a hike, uh-huh. and you know, and they get they're very prompt about putting them on there, and they're always wonderful. But there are times during the year when I want to hear, I want other people to, I want to hear his name said. Mm-hmm. So I'll go back and read those stories again. Do you keep in contact with the people who have carried his stone? Oh, yes. Yes, we do. Um, this is only our second year of okay. being involved with the Summit Project. So the people who have carried, well, the first year it was carried by a young man who was childhood friend Aaron. And two other people we've, we've hosted in our homes. They're our friends and family now. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you hear about the Summer Project or the, the Summit Project? Um. One of the first young men who carried Aaron Stone that year, he's here tonight. His name is Sean Butaw. He was a childhood friend of Aaron's, went to the same high school and such. And he approached my oldest daughter, who he had graduated high school with, and he asked her if I might be receptive to talking about the Summit Project. This was eight years after Aaron had passed. And I, it was a fairly brand new pro, um, program. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll meet with him. So we had a meeting, and I was intrigued immediately. Um, we, be, we went to an event. Um, but, you know, it's taken a little while to, to I don't want to say trust, but to believe that this is really true because it's so good and it's so helpful. And when you live and have dealt with so much pain and so much grief it's hard to put your your the the it's hard to look for the good again mm-hmm. it's hard to let yourself cuz you always kind of yeah you know bracing yeah bracing 
but this is, this is an excellent, excellent program for healing, for remembrance, for people to honor and give the emotion that they like to do for, the, for being grateful for the service of these, of these young men and women. One of, our, one of our tribute stones that we have, it's not, it's not a person. We have many here. It's, um, one of it is engraved with 1776. We owe all the way back to then. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of my favorite stones. Have you, are you aware of the cemetery right, right here outside the, the tent? I don't think so. There is, so we, we were hiking, or not hiking, we were taking the dogs out for a walk, and just outside the tent, there's a cemetery um, on the campground, and one of, there's a Revolutionary War veteran buried in the cemetery right here on the campground. So, Amazing. Um, if you, I mean, it's right, you can just walk over and we'll see. We'll have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, it's very, yeah. very neat. Um, is there anything else that you would like to, to say about TSP or about Aaron or your time with the program? Um, I think, I think my time with the program is going to be continue to be ongoing. It helps with healing. It makes me feel alive again in many, many ways. So it'll be something that I'm going to continue with. Um, we've attended other, other like events of other fallen heroes, and there's always something to attend to honor. I like that aspect of it. Yeah, well... As I've said before, there's just no words. And just thank you for your, I'm calling it a testimony. Thank you for your testimony. Thank you for your son. It's hard not to get choked up. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it really is. Um, it, no one wants to be a Gold Star family. That's right. But we are so grateful for those of you who are willing to sacrifice and, and, and take that risk to become a Gold Star family. And, and thank you so, so much for, as a mother, there is no greater sacrifice that you can make. That is true. And we, we are so honored to be able to talk with you and to remember Aaron and to, to just spend some time with him. Thank you so much for asking. I would say one thing for my part. Um, it's been difficult to understand where Sue's been. Because Aaron wasn't my biological son, but he was my stepson. Right. I loved him dearly. Yeah. So the Summit Project has filled that for me in, in a way to help her. Uh, I don't know else, how else to do it sometimes. So being part of this is amazing. And you, um, being a stepmother myself, I understand that there, being a step-parent can be very difficult even in the best of times. And um, I imagine that for you sometimes it is a very lonely road because you not only lost, you lost a son, but you also have to, to, to be a, a comfort to your wife. And, and yeah. so it's, it's, I understand that's, it's got to be so, so difficult. Yeah, it, it can be, it has been at times, but, uh, you know, her, I was fortunate to find Sue and uh, Same. her yeah. family, Aaron and, and the girls. And it's been great. They've been wonderful. So 
You know, despite the tragedy, you know, thank goodness you have each other. Thank goodness you have this this organization. Absolutely, we're we're filled with gratitude and love, and that's what we want to be all the time. So the grief and all of those other things are dealt with, but coming here is all good, all okay. the time. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. Yes. Thank you so much, you. both of you. Yes. All right. And you heard Sue mention. Um, her daughter, Andrea, and Andrea is sitting down with us right now. Andrea is not only a Gold Star sister, uh, Aaron's sister, but she is also the TSP family li liaison. That's Ugh. a tough word to say. Right? <laughs> that is what does that mean? So essentially what my job function is, I have a little bit of a background. Being a Gold Star sister, I've had the opportunity to go through the grieving process, um, and that's an ongoing process. You sure. never finish that. Um, so I'm able to relate to the families and understand their feelings, what they're going through, um, and also having the background information, I'm able to know what resources we can provide for them. Uh, what my job function is, is when we have contact with the family and we want to bring them on board, I facilitate bringing them through the process, um, finding what opportunities we have for them, bringing in the stone, getting the stone engraved, um, getting accurate information, going through the biography, the pictures, um, learning about the hero. And I feel a little, you know, a little selfish because I'm one of the first ones that gets to yeah. know these heroes. So oh, yeah. I I'm a little that's... spoiled in that way, a little bit blessed. Um, but essentially, that's what my job is, to make sure we have accurate information. I'm there for whatever the families might need. So what, was it the loss of your brother that got you involved with this? And how, how did you... Who, who brought you into the fold? So the loss of my brother is definitely what brought me to the Summit Project. Um, I tend to be a very openly outward emotional person. Like I'm very open with my feelings. I love talking about my brother. Not everybody grieves that way. Um, so coming to the Summit Project, hearing about the Summit Project from other hikers who have, have hiked before, um, being introduced to it, you kind of get curious about what it's all about because these hikers get so immersed, and they're very patriotic. They love what they do. Um, and you almost kind of wonder, what's the catch? You know, what, where's that? Where's, where are their strings attached? And there's not at all. And that's and what I love is it's a family. You know yeah. what, honestly, is we've sat here, and we've spent all afternoon with everybody, mm -hmm. and that's exactly it. There, there's no catch here. It's, it's very, very genuine. genuine. And, and yep. you know, we said genuine at the same <laughs> yeah, time yeah. right there. And that's exactly what it is. It's. It, I feel like we're part of this family. Yeah, and I mean, we just met you guys like yesterday, yeah. this yeah. morning. Like, it's it's in intense. Um, so I'm so glad that you're sitting down with us because I had a lot of questions logistically. Yeah. Um, so, so like the biographies, mm -hmm. do the families provide the biographies or do you write the biographies? Who, who comes up it's, with them? It's actually worked either way. Um, some families are very open about talking about their heroes. So when I sit down with a family, I usually will, as I'm, you know, looking them in their eyes and in their face and hearing their story, I'm writing notes, I'm note-taking um, some families prefer to make their own biography. Sometimes we do a combination of both. Um, and it's funny, the stories that they'll come up with, not realizing. You know, you bring a hero on board and you hear their favorite candy is Skittles and you hear about their childhood dog, Sammy. And mm -hmm. every little bit of information as a family gets more comfortable and starts talking about their hero. And that's what makes... The best biography, I think, is just it's those emotions go and their feelings go and the thoughts and the childhood memories all come back. So that's that's what makes beautiful writing. Um, 
So it's it's always been both. Some families prefer to do their own. I love to write, so I, I don't mind doing them either. Yeah. So it works out great. And uh, Greg mentioned, um, I think, I don't think it was on the air, but he mentioned to us earlier that they don't go look, you guys don't go looking for families. Correct. Families come to you. So how, how does that happen? Yeah. Uh, we try to be very transparent, very genuine. Um, so we don't go seeking out heroes. We do a lot of word of mouth. Um, we prefer folks to learn what we're about, um, realize that we're here for them. And like I said, there's no strings attached. Um, so once they get in contact with us and they can reach us, you know, through the Summit Project website, um, they can contact me directly uh, through my email. Um, and then we start the onboarding process. Um, the only things that we ask are that the family, their heroes from Maine, um, they passed during active duty status and it has to be post 9-11. And there's a lot of misconception about that past during active duty because people automatically think it's during combat. But unfortunately, there's heroes that pass active duty post 9-11 from invisible wounds. Yep. Um, that's a, a very difficult topic for folks right now. now how, many, how many, well, I'll say soldiers, but how, how many service people are we losing a day to suicide right oh, now? It's 22 veterans a day. Yeah. And it's... it's it's one of those subjects that's taboo. Not a lot of people like to talk about it, but unfortunately it is, you know, it's at the forefront now. Absolutely. Um, so we, we support our families as much as, they, as we possibly can. You know, some, some heroes pass from, you know, invisible wounds. Some could be combat driven. Some could be accidents. We unfortunately lost my brother in a drowning accident, but he was active duty, so he qualified. Yeah, Do you, and, I mean, what, one of the things, like anecdotal... It, is we're just talking to people. It's that support that's out there. And people exactly. also not just dealing with the tragedy of the death, mm -hmm. but the surviving, the PTSD. Mm -hmm. And I, I've right. heard that from a lot of people here tonight. Mm -hmm. Do you have any active duty um, soldier, sailors, airmen that are a part of the program? We have a lot of our hikers and a lot of volunteers who... Um, spend their time with us. They feel it's almost like you, you're giving back to the families and you're investing your time in this. And, you know, our hikers are investing in it. But I really feel a lot of the times our hikers and our volunteers are the ones that get back way more than they feel they could ever give out. We do have a lot of active duty families, um, a lot of service men and women, and their children who are very actively involved. Which, There's a lot of kids running around here. I yeah, know, it's amazing. I, it was so cool uh, to see some of, there were kids that, that hiked yep. to the summit today, and I just thought that was really, really neat. I think it's amazing that the parents are taking an active role in being not only patriotic with their children, but teaching them the importance of what our heroes gave their life for. Mm -hmm. um, and the impact that it has on these children is really long-lasting. I've seen some of these children go from infant to now they're, you know, young young teenagers who yeah. are now hiking. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the cool things too, um, especially about TSP, is the, in the family atmosphere, is that um, you all refer to men and women as heroes, but at the same time, they're just people. Like they're yeah. just everyday men and women living their lives, just like you and me. And especially for a child to, I mean, that's somebody that they absolutely can look up to, but it's also something that they can aspire to themselves. Exactly. You know, and that's one of the things that we strive people to learn when they're learning about our heroes are these are men and women who had 
hopes, dreams, desires. They had future plans. Um, they had likes, dislikes, favorite music. You know, they're not just a statistic. They're right. not just someone who passed away. Um, they were a person with hopes and dreams. And that's something that I think is important for the kids to learn as well. Yeah, and it's very, they're very present. Mm-hmm. I mean, you like you can feel them here. Like you can feel their presence here. And and um, one of the things that has struck me today is there are a lot of, a lot of families that don't talk about their hero in the past tense. They talk about them in the present tense. Yeah. And I love that because you can, it is a, it is a tangible mm-hmm. like the sensation of they are here. I think it's interesting that you picked up on that. Cause we talk about that a lot. You know, they're not just, they weren't someone who passed away and it didn't just happen and they're gone. You know, they're your they're brother, still your here. sister, your son, your daughter. Exactly. Yeah. No, they're, they're still very present in our lives. And I think that's one of the things we strive to push to the forefront is they're still very much a part of our lives. Is there anything special that you remember about your brother? If you want to talk about your brother for a oh, second. Oh, goodness. So much about my brother. <laughs> he, now, was, he was the oldest, right? He's he the was big the brother. Oldest. He was the oldest, and I'm the baby. Of oh. All the oh, the spoiled one, huh? <laughs> he, he was my best friend. He... Uh, there was quite a few years between us. Um, I was 11 years old when he left for boot camp. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So that that was uh, a unique experience at that age, you know, and he was gone and I come home and there's no big brother to, you know, pick on me and push me around playfully, of course. But yeah. I'll never forget the day um, I graduated high school. Um, I had lost my father, my biological father, when I was 16. And I lost... Um, Aaron was my my best friend. He was my next close male role model. And I was upset because, you know, dad's gone. Aaron's gone, deployed. You know, there's no one who's going to be at my graduation. Yeah. So my mom played a trick on me and said, hey, I'm going to drive to Bangor, which was, you know, about an hour and a half away. Um, I'm going to go pick up a few things for your graduation party. And I said, okay, well, you know, when you get back, let me know and I'll help you, you know, unload the car. She comes into the house. She says, hey, can you go to the garage and grab some of the bags? Oh, no. I walk out to the garage, and there's like a a seven-step landing you have to go down. Uh Uh-huh. And there's my brother at the bottom of the landing. And I got to tell you, I don't think my feet touched one of those steps. I just ran right to him and, you know, a few tears. Of course. Yeah, he uh, he made it home for my graduation. Oh, that's he knew sweet. how important oh, it was. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's he sounds awesome. like a great big brother. He was an amazing big brother. Aww. He was amazing. He uh, he taught me the importance of, you know, good old hair band music, Motley Crue. <laughs> 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 that's what brothers are good for. Exactly. No, he was it, being the youngest. You know, my my two middle sisters they were close. You know, they were really girly girly, and I'm not. And you know, he was the one that looked out for me. And, Did you guys you know, go fishing together? Oh, my goodness. Yes. All the time. But he never gave me his good fishing hooks. Of course Because I'd not. always get him stuck and lose them. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, just like big brothers introduce you to hair metal, little sisters lose your fishing hooks. It's, exactly. <laughs> <what> happens. <laughs> no, I was very spoiled. And, and he looked out for me a lot. You know, I'll, I share his name a lot. I talk about him a lot only because I feel really spoiled to have had such an amazing big brother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was the one that taught me the importance of being there for family no matter what. Yeah. You know, he was very protective of my mom after my dad passed. And, you know, he was, he was protective of my sisters as well. But he was, he was the big older brother to it's me. It's so neat to watch you talk about him. Your face just <laughs> lights up when you, when you talk about him and the role that he played in your life. It, that's so cool. Oh, that thank you. you. So yeah. He, 
He was off to uh, boot camp in the Navy, so he wasn't chasing away your boyfriends or anything, no, was no, no, no. Thank goodness. He probably would have given me an earful. <laughs> did you get to go visit him like when he was in San Diego? I did. And- yeah, I went out to San Diego. Um, I was 16 the summer. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's eye-opening when you come from small-town Millinocket, you know, and you know, one street light, and then you go to San Diego where, first of all, Millinocket doesn't have an interstate. Oh, so gosh. when you go to San Diego and there's eight-lane highways yeah. and, oh, yeah, I was scared to death. But And there's concrete everywhere and just mm-hmm. concrete metal and, yeah, I imagine totally. it's probably culture shock. And stranger danger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. don't talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he uh, he taught me a lot while I was out there about, you know, sticking up for yourself and being tough. And He sounds you know. like he was an awesome big brother. He really was. Yeah. I was spoiled. <laughs> Do you hear him sometimes when you're, when you're thinking about things and making decisions? Is that kind of that voice in the back of your head pushing oh, you? Yeah. And- well, he was a, uh, I'm a, you know, we come from a sports family. Uh-huh. And I was, of course, a hardcore Red Sox fan, still am. He was a Yankees fan, Uh-oh. so we often, you know, joke that he was adopted. <laughs> but he uh, he always was a Yankees fan, so we had that friendly back and forth. And one time when he was stationed out in uh, Diego, and I would always send him boxes overseas, and I had gotten a little stuffed bear with a Red Sox shirt on it, <laughs> and it was just you know a little small bear. Yeah, and he properly sent it back to me, shredded in pieces. <laughs> And I mean, because, you know, bears are disposable when they're wearing Red Sox jerseys. So, Andrew, we're talking about like the holistic thing here. And so after your father passed Mm -hmm. and then your mom uh, married Jim and he stepped in to be your stepfather. He did. It was funny because he didn't he didn't come in and, and push that role on us. You know, it first started out as, hey, you know, I love your mom. I want to, you know. Just so you know, I, I care about her deeply. I want nothing but the best for her. And it started out as a friendship. And he grew into that father role without demanding it. Yeah. You know, he just kind of, he let that happen naturally. It, and I think that's what is what is so solid now. It, it sounded like he provided a lot of support for your mom and for mm-hmm. your siblings too. Oh, very much so. Yeah. And I call him dad, you know, yeah. and it's no... It's not making any less of my biological dad. I had an amazing dad. I was very spoiled as a child to have the upbringing yeah. that I did. But, yeah, he, he came into that role without demanding it. Um, he didn't ask for four kids, but he got them. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but, no, he, I think of him a lot. He's got a, a huge amount of integrity. He believes in, you know, the, the meaning behind a handshake yeah. He's got morals, and he's a hard worker, and he's just one of those guys that I know I can go to for anything, no matter he what. He actually, when we sat down to talk with him and your mom, he actually cried more than she did. Oh, um, I believe it. So He's he, very real. Yeah. He's very real. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad for your sake that you had that male role model that mm-hmm. then eventually was able to step in and, and support you guys. And Absolutely. So. so anything else about the organization that you want to discuss or... Yeah, well, I just want to point out that, you know, the organization as a whole, um, we do the best we can to support our families in whatever capacity that might be. Some families are further along emotionally. Some, you know, it takes them a little bit longer. Um, But we want the families to know that we're here for in whatever capacity they might need. Okay, so that just brought up another question here. Um, 
Do you have other resources like professional resources for families that you obviously see that aren't coping or dealing with the loss well? Do you have right. resources that you can point people to, like professional sources? We have some amazing connections with a yeah. lot of, of organizations out there. So if there's a service that we don't provide or don't have the capacity to, we have, you know, friendships that we've made where we can probably get folks in the right direction. It's, that's amazing. It really is. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of, I mean, everyone that we have talked to seems very, it, it is a family and it is yeah. very close knit. So um, I would assume that you guys look out for one another. And when, when somebody sees somebody else struggling, do you kind of mm -hmm. all rally around that person? And We do. And, and we, we respect the privacy. You know, some families, like I said, they want to grieve on their own and you kind of, you respect that. But when you can sense when they want somebody or they need some help and yeah. they know that they can reach out and it's always kept you know to the highest amount of you know their privacy is respected sure. um but they know they can always reach out we are one big family yeah and yeah. it shows it really does it. it's just a really <laughs> great great organization and we are so honored to have been able to be part of it even just for a day oh thank you yeah. so andrea thank you for your time and oh, thank you as we're telling everybody you know it's we don't have words but um <laughs> it's it's a real honor Oh, thank, thank, thank you for what you're doing. And it's not even our place to say thank you, but I just feel like saying that because you are helping, you're helping families, you're helping other veterans, you're helping a lot of people. Thank yeah. you. I, I try my best, but I'll never be able to give back as much as I've been given. So it's my very small, minute part is just a drop in the bucket compared to what, you know, all of our team does. Yeah, well, you're it's very amazing. humble. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. So we've been lucky enough to talk with um, Gold Star families. We've been lucky enough to talk with uh, some of the behind-the-scenes people. And now we're sitting with Hayden Casson, who carried a stone today. Um, yes. And so, who? first of all, whose stone did you carry? Kevin Baldiff. Uh, and, and how, so tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, how did you get involved with TSP? What does it mean to you to carry the stone? Um, what can you tell us about Kevin? Um, and just kind of share you know, your experience. All right, I guess I'll start at the beginning. Sure. Um, I first interacted with TSP during Ruck to Remember. It was a 60-mile ruck from Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, to Arlington National Cemetery, uh, 60 miles to Section 60. And um, I wasn't carrying a stone at that, at that event, but a lot of people were. And the stones came out along the way. And the stories were told mm -hmm. and uh, made a, a real impact on me. Uh, so when the opportunity came through an organization that I'm, I'm involved with, Operation Enduring Warrior, to come up and do an event with TSP at the Husky Ruck, um, I, I jumped at it, came up, and I did, I did the Husky Ruck. Um, and knowing that I would be returning to Maine uh, in about a month and a half, I requested a stone. Um, they say that the stone finds you, and it, it found me that day because I was, I was supposed to meet Kevin's wife, but we just didn't cross paths. I was out on the course a little too long, um, and the stone found me, and um, we, we left on a, on a pretty long journey, and it ended today. Yeah, I heard you say at the circle that you had been carrying him for 48 days. 48 days. It's a long time. Yeah, and we, we covered a lot of miles. I bet. Miles. Um, 
took him back to Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, the only request I had when I asked to carry a stone was that it be a Marine. Okay. Um, You're a former Marine? No. Well, no, no? I'm, I was former Navy. I did seven former years Navy. in the Navy. Okay. Um, but I knew that I was heading to Kentucky to help a Marine, uh, a double amputee who lost his eyesight, ride 400 miles across Kentucky on a bike. Oh, wow. So we did just that. Um, and Kevin was there for, for all those miles. So that that could be amazing. a whole separate podcast <laughs> Oh, right my there. goodness. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we es- escorted Matthew Bradford across Kentucky from Ashland to um, Fort Campbell, I believe. Mm-hmm. Fort, Fort Campbell, Campbell, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was that was an amazing event. In the zone went back to Florida. Now, are you originally from Maine? No, no. Oh, you're from. I'm from Florida. From yeah, Florida, born and raised. Yeah, and Hayden has a really interesting interesting story because you flew up last night from Florida to Maine. Yes. You got in at what, like two o'clock this morning, uh, something like that. I got to the camp about two thirty this morning. And then you were up at six. Six. To go on a hike of how many miles? Ooh, maybe five. How much elevation five, did you climb? That's, that's the point, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eleva- a lot of elevation. I think we climbed, I mean, it's two mountains, right? We, we, we went up one mountain, came down yeah. to Lake Bubble, I believe it's called. Yeah. And then yeah. back up to the peak of Cadillac Mountain. And then you're getting back on a plane to fly back to Florida tonight. Um, I'm actually heading to New York City. Uh, do you ever stop? Like, I, <laughs> no. You are all over the place. Yeah, I, I, I guess I earn my my trail name, uh, Gypsy. Oh, yeah, what, do, what do you do for a living? Um, I'm a full time student right now. Oh, what do you uh, what are you major studying? Everything. General like, studies. General right. studies. I, I finally landed on general studies. There you go. Graduate uh, this December, um, and I'm actually going back into the military once I graduate. Oh, congratulations! Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, tell us a little bit about Kevin. So Kevin, um, Marine Sergeant. Kevin, uh, Kevin is actually, uh, he deployed twice. His, uh, his first deployment, he was awarded the Bronze Star oh, wow. for calling in an airstrike to, that saved his platoon. He, he climbed up a ridgeline under fire and, wow. uh, and saved his platoon. Um, Kevin, Kevin was a Marine's Marine. He... He was that guy that was at the front of the pack in every run. They called him the gazelle. <laughs> and, uh, but he would also fall back and, and motivate anybody that needed it. Uh, and I, I personally experienced that <laughs> carrying Kevin. Um, his, uh, his wife, Amy, and two daughters are here. And I met them for the first time. What was I that bet like? That was an emotional morning. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. We had, uh, we'd been in touch. I've been in touch yeah. with Amy. Uh, just giving her little tidbits of the journey. Yeah. Um, but holding back a lot of it. I've, I've been journaling, and that that's going to be going to her. Oh, that's I, Once I write up awesome. this, this event today. Yeah, that's awesome. So you you have a passion for this? Military and veterans, yeah. Military and veterans, yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for that. I mean, yeah. that's, Where does that's that one come of our from? passions. Are you from a military family? Yeah, Um most men in my family have served in one form or the other. Uh, my my grandfather was in uh, D-Day, flew oh, gliders wow. into Normandy. Wow. That's um, awesome. My father was a Vietnam veteran. Uh, both of them were Purple Heart recipients. 
grandfather on, their, on my mom's side, also World War II veteran. Wow. All the men on my mom's side of the family, well, most of them were military as well. And you were in the Navy, correct? I was, yes. Yeah, and what, what did you do in the Navy? I was a rescue swimmer. A rescue oh, swimmer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, you look like you're in pretty good you shape. Are, I mean, like, you're the, wearing a jacket. You're one of, like, the most intense people I think I've ever met. Like, you go all <laughs> over the country carrying rocks and doing rocks and swimming to rescue and just, uh, that's that's insane. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's for a good cause. Absolutely. It's, yeah. I don't, I don't do it for myself. Um, although I, I found that this whole, there's a dichotomy in altruism that, that at first I was uncomfortable with because I was... I was getting so much out of this. Um, I didn't feel right about it. You know, I was supposed to be doing this for other people, and I'm clearly benefiting from it. You know, I, yeah. Well, I'm not picking my life. I'm not picking that up from no, you at all. No, not at all. No, it's you know, no one goes and does what you do for their own motivation. Well, and I think too, um, it it speaks to your heart that you are able to do it so tirelessly. I mean, I imagine you probably do get exhausted, but you you keep on and you keep going. And if you were not doing it for the right reasons, that you you couldn't do that. And yeah, it's easy to do. I mean, you got you got Kevin's story, and you you interact with these families, and and it's 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 going to be hard for your listeners to understand like the full impact um, until you until you truly interact with with what the summer project's all about. Mm-hmm. It, you, secondhand just it's it's not the same it's it's yeah. so impactful well one of the things that greg explained is it's not you just carry this rock you you have the story and we just talked to andrea and she talked about the biography and you're supposed to learn as much as you can about your yeah. hero that you've been carrying and you obviously have done that is yeah. yeah and it's it's a pretty cool thing that they're doing here it's amazing yeah it's absolutely amazing and now did you say that kevin was the first stone that you have carried First, yes. And uh, do you, uh, I assume that going forward, you'll be doing more TSP hikes. Absolutely. Is that something that you, um, do you want to continue to carry Kevin's stone or do you want to, uh, I think, for lack of a better term, make some new friends? Yeah, no, I think, I think the, the point is to carry other stones. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say I, I wouldn't come back and, and spend some time with Kevin and, and catch up, but I think learning learning other men and women's stories is is more into the spirit of the Summit Project. And and truly, the fact that it's only in Maine, um, I know it's a young organization, but that that has to change. Like this this has to get everywhere. It has yeah. to be. Is there a little spark in your eye right oh. there that yeah. hey, maybe we, maybe we need to do something like this in Florida? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, it it needs to be all over. The, I mean, you, you see like, Kevin's daughter over here, you know, <laughs> giggling and playing, and it's just, you want to be around it, and not all, not everybody can come up to Maine and do that. Right. And there's heroes everywhere, so like we need to honor them where they are and, and their families where they are. Yeah. And, I mean, and there are so many ways to do that. One of the things that Greg. Um, sort of made very clear to us is he wants to maintain TSP's integrity and vision. And as a result of that, um, you know, we mentioned kind of at the beginning of the, of the episode that um, we would love to see this take off and become nationwide too. But in order to maintain that integrity and vision of what TSP is, 
it, it can't just be everybody just goes and uh, and uses you know TSP's name and so on and so forth. But that's not to say that if you know someone um, who has suffered a loss in their family that you you can't do something similar on your own time and, right. and absolutely and talk about that person in your own way to as many people as you can and draw attention in your own way where you are yeah this is this is not a, a new idea people have been carrying stones to the tops of mountains I mean, I don't know when it started, but it's 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 been going on for lo- a long oh, time. Oh yeah, you see cairns um, and all kind of stuff. Yeah, so it, it's not a new thing. The the formalized version of it um, and and bringing people together is is a newer concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right about the integrity; it, it does need to be maintained. Um, yeah, I think I think Greg would like to see it grow, but he was also very careful to say. It needs to go slowly because we need to do this right. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you, you see too many horror stories of yeah. these types of nonprofits mm-hmm. that just go the wrong direction. Yeah, and every everything we've seen, either through the interviews or just informally talking to people, everyone's heart seems to be in the right place with this. Absolutely. And it's focused on what the right mission is and not, you know, I'm, I'm doing this for myself or I'm doing it for any fame or glory. Right. Everyone is focused on the right thing, on the heroes, and that's what it's in the families. It's what it's all about. So with that in mind, what would you say as someone who is so involved with military outreach and remembrance, what would you tell people that is the best way for them to contribute to TSP and to the vision that TSP has? I mean, getting up here, if that's if that's an option, get here. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Get yeah. in a plane to fly to Portland It really tomorrow. is amazing. Um, I mean... With any nonprofit, the financial piece is, is huge. Like it, it takes funding to, to expand things. Yep. Uh, so, you know, doing doing rucks to raise money, whatever it might be. There's there's all different ways. It every little bit helps. Um, yeah, it's I don't I don't I don't know beyond that. I mean, it's it's a it's a catch twenty two growing an organization like this yeah. where you're, you're you're focused on the integrity of it. Um, yeah, but, but it, yeah, it revolves. But it seems like a money. very it's, worthy organization. Yeah, absolutely. I hope. I hope it takes off. Yeah. In uh, it will. I don't. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, like it, Greg's the right person to do it, and it it he, will continually. He absolutely spend. is the right person, and and we've talked about it with a couple of other people that uh, Andrea, especially that it is very. There are no coincidences with anything that happens with TSP. Like that seems our, to be a cr- no. catchphrase yeah. with everybody. Our being There's here no this weekend was not a coincidence, yeah. and in the the families that have been brought together, it's not a coincidence. And um, if TSP grows and becomes nationwide or in whatever form that it takes, it, that's not going to be a coincidence either. It's going to be a lot of hard work, um, and and I think a lot of. Uh, Heroic intervention, we'll say that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's only a matter of time. The right people are are in this tent right now. Yeah. yeah. Really. Oh, absolutely. The ones that are the ones that are still here are largely the ones that are instrumental in making it happen. Yeah, um, and interestingly, a lot of them are like under the age of twenty. So, um, I, I think that's, that's a lot of Mart. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. There's a lot. As I look around the tent, I see. Um, a lot of a lot of kids and a lot of older adults, and I think 
that is that's one of the things that is really cool about TSP is that it it is um, a family. It is I a, see family, a lot of family, and it brings everybody I see a together. Lot of family here. And uh, and older mentoring younger and and everybody learning from one another and everybody sharing experiences and sharing stories and it's just something beautiful. You've got to learn it somewhere. Um, I learned it from my dad. Uh, some of these some of these kids, they're we were carrying their fathers, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we're their role models, and that's a that's a huge responsibility. Um, but they're they're learning, and they they love their country, and they're they're so excited about being here you can see in their eyes it's, well it's yeah greg kind of prepared me he tried to prepare me he said you know when they uh when they come off the summit we'll have the ceremony he goes it can get pretty emotional and i thought yeah okay <laughs> but, oh yeah it's, i think it took me about a minute and a half to even start talking when i had the microphone yeah. in front of me yeah, yeah it was yeah. it was a very powerful ceremony out there and it the ceremony and what it means if you, if you can just put yourself in the place and understand what's going on. It, it was a very powerful ceremony out there. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. It's like Hayden said, if you can get here, get here. Because we can talk about it all day long. We have talked about it all day long. And it's, it doesn't, we cannot possibly do it justice just over a podcast. It's not, you can't, you can't get it unless you're here. So, yeah, if you can come, hop on a plane. Get here. Yeah, if, absolutely. If, if Hayden can fly up from Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> if you're in Maine, you can, you can get involved with this. So, Hayden, any last thoughts that you want to leave us with, either about this or the organization? Yeah, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about Kevin. I've learned a lot about his family. I've come to gain a new family with the Baldus and TSP. Um, everybody's able to to do this on on their own in their own way yeah and that's that's the important thing is is honoring and remembering um if if anybody thinks they can get involved and do it you know um come experience it and the right person to help this organization expand i know you're from ohio right so yeah. that right person in ohio might be listening to your podcast um, and if they come and experience it, they, they might be that one person that brings this to Ohio yep. and makes it, you know, what it needs to be. So, yeah, Absolutely. Thank well, you so much. It has been an honor to sit and talk with you and to, to share in this experience. It has really been um, just a really crazy, intense day. This is not what I thought vacation was going to be like, but I'm so glad that it is. So thank you so much for your time and Absolutely. for what you're doing. Absolutely. Okay, well, Kim, today has been a lot more emotional day than I ever thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's, I mean, we just happenstance we come to this, but as we've heard at least 15, 20 times a day, nothing is happening by chance. Nope. Nothing is happening by chance. And we've been just honored to be among these families here, to be among people like Hayden who are doing this, among the Gold Star mothers, the sisters, the families. It, it, there's so much organization, that, you know, just besides the people like Hayden who've been carrying the stone, like people like Greg who have organized all this. There is a lot of background work, the people that have prepared the food here for this, to put up this tent. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on. And um, I will say, again, um, it is a 501c. 
And mm-hmm. if you would like to donate, you can find it on the website. You can find it on our Facebook page. You can find it on our Instagram. Um, I will put up a link on the Facebook and Instagram page directly to the Summit Project. Um, so go look them up. Go uh, donate as much as you can. It is such a worthwhile organization, yeah, and we are so incredibly fortunate to have been a part of it, even just for a day. Help these people from Maine mm-hmm. to honor and continue the memories of their fallen heroes, of the uh, the men and women of Maine who have sacrificed everything for this country. Yep, absolutely. Hey, one, one last plug for you. Greg's about to launch on a 150-mile ruck. Yes, absolutely. For this organization. So. He mentioned that earlier, and uh, we absolutely plan on being here. Um, we're we're going to be here th- for the rest of the week, uh, so we're hoping to be able to see him off this week. So That's awesome. Um, yeah, so, all right. So from the backwoods of Maine. The backwoods of Maine. Thank you for listening to this very, very special edition of An Hour of Your Life. Yep. Thank you for spending several hours of your life with us and for honoring our heroes.